Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing one of the biggest influences in the global economy, um, and that is the Chinese consumer. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Sandrine Zerbib, who is the founder of Fulljet. Sandrine, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. So, Sandrine, we're going to be discussing... Um, the Chinese consumer market today. But before we do that, would you be able to give us a bit of background on, on yourself and Fulljet, please? So as far as I am concerned, um, I've been in China for close to 28 years, uh, starting actually uh, setting up the business of Adidas in China for and managing it, developing it for about 13 years and then uh, progressively moving to uh, setting up my own company, which is Fulljet. So Fulljet um, helps foreign brands, particularly in the premium and uh, luxury segment, to develop in China. And in the recent years, we have fully focused on e-commerce and the digital aspect of China, which is booming. Uh, And this is where we service our clients. And uh, very recently, we were acquired by a Chinese company that is called Baozun, uh, which is actually the biggest uh, service provider, e-commerce service provider in China. So now we, uh, we are together. Fantastic. So that's something we're going to, we're going to go into more details um, on. So I mean, just to give a bit of context here, there's been a report out from Morgan Stanley recently that... Um, Chinese consumption is set to double by 2030 um, to 12.7 trillion. Um, That compares to 5.6 trillion in 2019. And also that that figure of 12.7 trillion is roughly the same size as the uh, the US consumption uh, currently. So there's going to be a huge opportunity um, there going forward for investors. So um, Sanji, let, let's just pay a little bit of attention now to some of the key trends uh, within this market. So I, I think, you know, for the listeners of this podcast, most of them are going to be based here in, in, in the UK, Europe and United States. So they're going to be very familiar with the, the Western world and how consumer um, how the consumer um, operates here. Um, but could you just give us a bit of background on how um, the consumer market has developed in, in China, in particular the, the e-commerce market, and maybe make some comparisons um, to where we are now in, in the Western world. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, there is so much to say uh, about the Chinese consumer. Indeed, let, let me focus maybe on, on e-commerce and the um, overall digital landscape where the consumer uh, buys products. Uh, because it is so different from uh, what we are familiar with in in the West. So number one, the um, the platforms are totally different. So in in the West, we typically talk about Google, Amazon, uh, Facebook, and, and so on and so forth. We also see a lot of dot coms. Um, so basically, the uh, the vertical sites of brands uh, still play quite a, an important role, even though. The platforms have also increased faster recently in the West. But then when you go to China, it's a completely different universe. 
first thing, it's different players, okay? So instead of talking about the uh, the GAFAM, you're going to talk about the bats, and this is no longer enough So that, because now there are some new players. So this is going to be Baidu, which is um, more of a kind of Google uh, search engine, and then you're going to have uh, Tmall, you're going to have Jindong, which are the Actually, I don't like to call them marketplaces, and I'll explain why. Uh, they are more like platforms. And then you've got uh, all the uh, social media from WeChat to Doin, which is TikTok, if you will, Weibo. So totally different players. But it's not just the names which are different. I think uh, there are many other aspects. Number one, they are really giants, which is also true for, <laughs> for, uh, for the Western world. Um, second, they concentrate a huge piece of e-commerce in a very few hands. So basically, you've got um, three to four players that concentrate 90% uh, of e-commerce in China, which is massive. And it's all the more massive as actually e-commerce itself in China is extremely developed. Uh, it represents today a solid 25% of all uh, retail sales. Uh, when it's about 12% in the rest of the world. Um, so a very different landscape, as I said. And on top of everything I just described, it's also quite interesting to see that these platforms are not very specialized. And this is on purpose. They basically all try to do as many things as possible. So uh, they would try to be obviously uh, e-commerce platforms for most of them, or at least for those which started as e-commerce platforms. Uh, but they also are video because they, ha you know, they have a, a full ecosystem. So when you go shop on these platforms, you can watch a video, um, you can play a game, you can chat with your friends, you can. Uh, see okay well you can uh, watch a live stream so it's it's a, a very immersive um, shopping experience so that's to trying to brush the picture a little bit so I mean would I be correct in in, in thinking that, that these platforms are, are, are um, similar to to having um, whatsapp Amazon, Facebook, and YouTube all rolled into one platform where people can um, transact and, and buy products. Uh, very true. Not only that, they would even have Google in a way because actually a lot of people, a lot of consumers, they actually search information and get information on the products they want to, uh, they are interested in by going on these platforms. Uh, and they don't necessarily go to, let's say, Baidu, which is some some sort of an equivalent to Google. They would directly go to, let's say, Tmall or, or, or WeChat uh, to, to search on products. So they are indeed a bit of every others. And on top of this, they have, in a slim, seamless way, included, integrated their own payment system, uh, which is going to be uh, either Alipay or, or WeChat Pay. Okay, so I mean, is it is it right in, in thinking that um, when people are looking at these different platforms, because they're all offering a, a similar service in terms of having um, lots of different features and, you know, obviously being able to communicate, watch videos and such like, and obviously buy products. Is it a case that the differentiation um, for these platforms is very much down to branding in terms of where um, brands would, would maybe want to sort of place themselves and, and where customers would want to shop? 
Or is it a case that um, brands are putting themselves across all of these platforms um, and it's really then down to these platforms in terms of their marketing push to bring the users into their particular ecosystem? Well, um, I think it's mainly the latter, okay? Um, Especially now it's a big trend. But still, these platforms are different because they have different histories and they have different sizes, okay? So let's say a Tmall, which is part of Alibaba, is by far the biggest B2C player with about 60%. And in some categories, it's way above 60%. Then you've got Jingdong, which is let's say, close to 17% of of market share. Then you've got uh, like um, social commerce happening on WeChat, but WeChat is, uh, before being a social commerce platform, it's it's first and foremost, um, it's it's actually um, social media. So they have some clear differences. And because of this history and where they come from and who they belong to, they have also slightly different features. Nevertheless, what you said is very true that at the beginning, uh, a lot of brands would actually pick one and and just have one touch point in terms of e-commerce because they would almost see it as as their .com, if you will. All the more so as what you need to keep in mind is that these are not marketplaces. They are truly platforms. They are virtual malls. So each brand has its own brand environment. Each brand has its store inside the platform. Uh, So at the beginning, as I said, uh, there was a tendency to sort of like be on one platform and treat your store on that platform as you would treat your .com. Now it's quite different. I think uh, as it becomes more and more complex and also as it offers more and more opportunities to engage with consumers, brands tend to actually try to occupy as many touch points as possible to be present, to be exposed in as many touch points as possible. And uh, a brand would go on Tmall, on Jindong, on WeChat, on Douyin, on Weibo, so pretty much on all of them, um, and will actually use all these elements to build their uh, consumer relationship, knowing that each platform offers different opportunities. Lovely. Thank you. So, I mean, Sandra, now let's actually just drill down into the um, the consumer them, themselves. I mean, what are you seeing as the biggest trends uh, within the consumer in terms of, um, you know, first of all, their habits, how they're going about sort of interacting with these um, these platforms and what, what sort of products and, and maybe services are they looking for whilst they do this? Well, I think... Um... The most striking elements, which partly comes from the fact that uh, young people uh, are very, um, I mean, active consumers, and um, they have uh, they have the money basically uh, to consume much more than in the uh, Western world. We have uh, a, a young consumer who is very active and can afford to consume more than in other parts of the world. So as a result, plus as a result of what I described about all these platforms, um, they they want to be entertained when they shop. They don't go on a platform to look for something, you know, scroll down, click, buy, finished. It's not what they do. They go on a platform and they spend a lot of time on the platform. 
to just to have fun, you know, being entertained, playing games, chatting with others, sharing stuff, sharing photos, watching videos, spending huge time on watching live streaming and so on and so forth. So this is a major trend uh, that is actually very different from what it would be, for instance, to go on Amazon, buy something. Um, so that is, a, I would say, a very strong difference. And this has accelerated uh, over, uh, over, in general, I would say two, three years, but particularly over uh, the last year. Uh, with the, uh, the beginning of the last year, we, we had still some, uh, some restrictions in China around uh, COVID, uh, which are gone now. But I think it has also um, accelerated uh, these habits and um, has really been a situation of explosion of live streaming, for instance, uh, and also of short videos. So now products are presented more and more with short videos, less and less with still photos. So that's a major trend that seems to be confirming uh, on and on. Okay. Now, in terms of products, I would say that the most striking trends we've seen, in particularly in 2020, is um, the growth of grocery. So people were not that into buying grocery online before the COVID. With the COVID, they really, really went uh, on online for grocery and they kept these habits. The second one is luxury. Uh, luxury was not so much purchased online. It was actually purchased in stores primarily. And even I would say even more so, it was purchased abroad. With the COVID that has uh, led to obviously traveling restrictions, this has completely changed. And we've seen actually an explosion of, uh, of luxury online, which has gone from 12% to 23% in only one year, which is uh, incredible. Um, and uh, this, is, uh, is, this is a major trend. And this has really forced, I would say, brands to, and luxury brands in particular, to adapt to this uh, ecosystem very rapidly. And, and they did, actually. A lot of... Uh, a lot of luxury brands have uh, gone online only very recently across, I would say, 2020. And uh, this has really changed the, 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 the landscape quite a bit. Perfect. So I think I just want to touch on there, um, Sandrine, that the luxury market, and this is obviously an area that you're operating in quite heavily at the moment. Now, for people here and investors in, in the UK, um, they'll be very familiar with Burberry and, and the growth that they enjoyed uh, in, in China and, and have done for, for pretty much the, the last decade. Um, that's, that's really taken Burberry to, to higher levels and, and still we're seeing um, quite high levels of growth there. I mean, how do you see this story playing out um, in terms of um, what Chinese consumers are looking for uh, in luxury brands? I mean, is it still something that they're looking to um, the likes of, of, of Burberry, um, Gucci and, and Prada, the more traditional brands? Or are there, um, an emer are there emerging um, domestic luxury brands that are starting to see quite high levels of growth there? Really, I don't see now any emerging luxury brands. You can see some designers, I mean, uh, local uh, designers, uh, but um, I'm talking about the domestic brands, not so much luxury brands for now. 
Now, um, Burberry, yes, it's it's uh, in age, it's an old brand, but in style, it's not. And actually, to some extent, a Burberry, and I would say um, the, the new Gucci in a way, um, is is a very good fit for the Chinese consumer who is very young. The luxury consumer in China is very young. About 47% of all luxury purchases are made by people who are less than 30 years old, which is quite different from the rest of the world. And being very young, it tends to be more attracted to extravagance, to um, um, to trends, to interesting and new ideas than just to classics um, and, and sort of legacy uh, kind of approach. So uh, any brand that embraces this, and if there is one, it's Burberry, um, it still has a, a bright future ahead. Um, on top of this, Burberry is well known all over the world, but in China, they've, they had a perfect laboratory to do this, uh, to be quite a pioneer um, in terms of using the, you know, all the digital uh, possibilities and opportunities, and they do so uh, completely in China. I think there did. Um, there is one thing they did which is quite um, quite interesting, and that was incredibly new and innovative. Is this alliance? It's not an alliance. I would say it's a partnership with Tencent, uh, whereby they open in Shenzhen what they call a social center. So it's actually a store, but it, it's a store which is completely. Um, linked to social media. So basically you enter the store and based on the interactions you had before with the brand, with Burberry, um, you, you have a certain amount of social currency. Your activities in the store can in, enable you to increase your social currency and this social currency in turn can enable you to unlock some possibilities uh, and activities in the store. So something very, very innovative and different. And uh, doing things like that, obviously, they, they perfectly match the needs of Chinese consumers online, especially luxury consumers online, who, as I said, are young and are always asking for something new. They constantly ask for something new. So I don't see really, um, I don't really see for now, at least, it, you never know, it might change uh, faster than we expect, but I don't see any domestic brand uh, as an emer emerging luxury brand in China. Interesting. Thank you. So, I mean, that, I mean very interesting points that you made there um, on, the, on the engagement that the, that the brands uh, are having with uh, the, the Chinese consumer. I mean, do, do you think that could be something that is... Um, evident in in the rest of the Chinese consumer market. I mean, is um, a high level of engagement at the point where you can transact um, something that um, is probably going to be there for some time within the um, the Chinese consumer. In, in terms of, I mean, here we obviously very much focus on sort of branding. Um, but if you go into some of the um, the shopping apps, you know, famous ones, sort of, you know, ASOS, for example, Boohoo. Um, there isn't anything like that there. I mean, could you see that coming over to the West? Do you think China is setting a trend there to some extent with this level of engagement? I tend to think so. I tend to think so. So it's going to take a while because um, there is history, there is legacy. The, the existing platforms um, in in the West 
are not really set for this yet. Um, so it's going to take a while. Uh, maybe also the Western consumer appetite for this is less than in China. But uh, however, I think that young consumers want to be entertained. And, and this is a, a trend that is not uh, restricted to China. There is this need to be constantly entertained. And if it's not when you shop, it's when you do something else. Um, it, there is also these hours and hours spent on social media. And today, actually, the lines are blurring between social commerce, e-commerce, social media. So they are more blurred in China because the platforms have gone very willingly in this direction. Uh, however, I think it will progressively uh, hit the, the West as well. Thank you. So... I mean, just just moving towards the the end here, Sandra. Could, could you give us a bit of insight into into the size and um, of the luxury market there? Of course, as the consumer and the Chinese consumer grows, the luxury market is expanding. But I mean, how is the luxury market moving with that? I mean, as a proportion of overall spending, is the luxury market moving in line or is it something that um, is accelerating or, or maybe not moving as fast as the overall expansion of consumer? It's actually moving much faster, um, but uh, we need to uh, to explain also what happened in 2020. The uh, overall market, the GDP, let's say, of China has uh, increased by uh, two something percent in 2020. And during that time, the luxury market in China, in mainland China, increased by uh, close to 50%. So you can already see uh, it's, it's a huge difference. But you need to also keep in mind that a lot of this comes from the fact that what they used to buy abroad, they now buy at home. Uh, but still, uh, the luxury market is growing faster than the uh, general economy. Uh, there is still this massive appetite for luxury and particularly for luxury that knows how to engage young consumers. So it's still a very dynamic and vibrant market in China. And I can see this continuing on for a few years, definitely. So, Sandrine, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. You're welcome, and I thank you for having me. Thanks. So just as a recap there, that was Sandrine Zerbib, who was the founder of Fulljet. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.